0: i excited that you're here in the house of the Lord and we're going to have a great time opening the word of the Lord together. I want to just remind you today is day eight uh, of our 21 days of prayer and fasting and every year if you're new to Liberty every year we begin the month of January. And we do a 21-day fast, and we really just take some time, really just to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting and through the Word of God and really allow God to really begin to just set the pace for our hearts and our lives for the brand new year. So we are, uh, we are actually eight days into uh, the journey, and uh, for those of you who here last Sunday, uh, I kind of be- begroned the idea that last Sunday was my last Sunday to get a sausage McMuffin at McDonald's, and so this morning I had oatmeal. Not near as good. But anyway, so uh, we are eight days into this great journey. And we're going to have a great time seeking God because there really is nothing like pressing in uh, to the presence of the Lord. And we began a series entitled One Word last Sunday. And so what we've been doing is every day uh, through uh, Facebook, social media, we've been posting a one-word prayer focus along with the scripture to go along with it. And our one word for today is the word endurance. And uh, so today we're going to talk just briefly about that. I want to encourage you as we... Pray today for a spirit of endurance. I want you to think about this. Victory never comes without endurance. You will never live a victorious life in Christ unless you learn to endure, right? You've got to endure the storms. You've got to endure the seasons. You've got to endure the challenges that come because in the midst of every life, There are challenges. In the midst of every life, there are struggles and setbacks and disappointments. And if you're going to live a victorious life in Christ, you're going to have to learn to endure the storms of life. Uh, Second Timothy, let's look at our scripture right here. Paul encourages Timothy in this. And he says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Endure suffering. Now suffering is not necessarily something we like to talk about in the local church today. As a matter of fact, we we want to kind of pitch an idea that if you follow Jesus and love Jesus, everything goes great. and You never have any problems and difficulties never happen in your life. And how many of you understand that is absolutely not true, right? When you follow Jesus, there is suffering. But I want you to see something. Paul encouraged Timothy to endure suffering. Suffering. There are really two types of suffering in the world. There is the suffering that comes from sin, right? Because when you live a sinful life or the sins of other people impact your life, how many know that you can do the right thing and somebody else do the wrong thing and you still suffer because of it because you're connected to them relationally, uh, maybe physically, financially, spiritually, and that person's in your life. So there's a suffering that comes from sin, and then there's also a suffering that comes from righteousness. Right? When you live a righteous life, let me tell you what's going to happen. All of a sudden, when you decide to follow Jesus, your life is going to be set in opposition to the culture of our world. Our world is running exactly the opposite in the direction that God would have us to go, right? And so when you make a decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm gonna serve God, I'm gonna do what is right and pleasing in the eyes of God. All of a sudden, there is an opposition that comes where we begin to suffer. Not everybody's gonna cheer you on, not everybody's gonna be excited because you wanna do the right thing. As a matter of fact, some of your closest friends may become your worst enemies. When you begin to follow Jesus, because they're not going to understand why you don't want to do the things you used to do and act the way you used to act and celebrate the things you used to celebrate. Now there's a whole new standard of life and living, and you're walking on a plane uh, that is typically in opposition to how they're living their life. So, So I want to encourage you with this thought. The reality is simply this we the question is not, am I going to suffer? The question is, why am I going to suffer? Am I going to suffer because of sin? Am I going to make poor choices and poor decisions that uh, disregard the Word of God and, and experience the repercussions of that in my life? Or am I going to suffer for righteousness' sake? And I made a decision a long time ago. If I'm going to suffer, I might as well suffer for doing the right thing. Right? Because here's the difference. When you suffer because of sin, sin brings death. The suffering that comes because of sin brings death and destruction and chaos and confusion in your life. But when you suffer for righteousness' sake, you know what happens? When you suffer for righteousness, it actually brings life. All of a sudden, when you suffer for doing the right thing, if you endure that suffering, you know what will happen? You will come out on the other side of it more like Jesus. You'll come out on the other side of it with a heart and a passion to serve God. You'll come out on the other side looking more like the person you know God has called you to be. And your life will be better because you endured the suffering of doing the right thing. And so the question is not are we going to suffer. The question is why are we going to suffer and then are we going to endure the sufferings of righteousness because if we do, great things will happen. Amen? I mean, if you think about your life, you are some of the best qualities about who you are. Your character and your integrity were forged in the fire of adversity. You became the person you're proud to be today because in the midst of the storms of suffering, you endured. You refused to compromise. You refused to quit. You refused to throw in the towel. You refused to walk away and give in. And you said, you know what? This may be difficult and this may be hard. And it may not necessarily be the way I thought it was going to work out. But I'm going to stay true to what God's called me to do. And in the end of the day, you came out on the other side. And you're thankful. I know I am. For the person I became in the midst of that suffering. And so today as we pray for endurance... I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to think about that and pray, God, give me grace to endure. Give me grace to endure. When when I suffer for doing the right thing, give me grace to endure. If I suffer for doing the wrong thing, God, give me grace to repent and do the right thing so that I won't walk down that path any longer in my life. Let's just pray together, and let's just pray that together. So, Father, I just pray today over the body of Christ here at Liberty Church for a spirit of endurance. God, let us endure. God, let us endure suffering for the sake of your name. Let us endure suffering, God, so that you can perfect in us the work of your spirit. God, let us become more and more like you. And so, Lord, today I ask you to give us grace. Grace that refuses to quit. Grace that refuses to walk away. Grace that refuses to throw in the towel. Lord, give us grace to persevere and endure. And Lord, I thank you that your word promises that they that endure to the end Shall be saved. I thank you. There is deliverance and freedom and hope that comes when we endure by your Spirit and by your grace. So, God, give us an enduring heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. So, let's look in Psalms 119, and we're going to continue our study entitled One Word. And we began talking last week how that one word from God really does have the potential and the power. To change your life, we talked about how that when you have an issue, a challenge, a problem, or a need in your life, when you give God your need, God gives you a word. Right. When you need direction, God gives you a word. When you need breakthrough, God gives you a word. When you need provision, God gives you a word. And all of a sudden, you begin to read your Bible and you begin to recognize that all through Scripture, every time somebody came to God with a problem, a difficulty, a struggle, or even an opportunity, God responded by giving them a word. The nation of Israel was under oppression over 400 years of Egyptian bondage, and they cried out to God, and God's answer to their need was that he gave Moses a word. When Moses was getting ready to, quote, retire and God was going to transfer leadership uh, to Joshua, God gave Joshua a word. When you read the Bible in the New Testament, you find out that when people came to Jesus, Jesus would give them a word. He'd give them a word of encouragement, a word of direction. And all of a sudden, that word began to change people's lives. Because one word from God really does have the potential to change our lives. So Psalms 119, starting in verse one thirty says this, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and I panted and I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. Make your face to shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Now let's look at that first point on your outline. We talked about this last week. I'm just going to cover it real quickly. We said the entrance of God's word gives light, it gives understanding, it gives direction, it gives dominion, it gives redemption and literally every good thing that your heart could ever desire. When you have a need or an opportunity for a promotion, God gives you a word. Everything we need can be found by the word of God. God speaks. God's word is the seed that produces life in us. And so today as we think about the Word of God and we think about how significant the Word of the Lord is, what we want to do through this this series is we want to create an opportunity. We want to create a place in our heart and our lives for the Word of God to speak. For God to speak personally and powerfully into our lives so that through His Word we can receive instruction. We can receive clarity, direction, and focus to move into what God really does have for our lives. So let's look at that next uh, point. Uh, on your outline so we said there's two things last week that we need to do We need to, number one, receive Jesus Christ, the living word, as our Lord and Savior. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, you've never been saved, or what the Bible calls born again, then that is the first step, right? Before you're ever going to be able to receive the written word of God, which is the Bible, and begin to really hear from God, you're going to have to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. Until the living word lives in you, the written word is going to literally become void and powerless to you. And it's only when Jesus is Lord of our lives that we really experience the power of God's Word. Jesus through the Holy Spirit opens our lives up to receive the Word of the Lord and really begin to receive direction, correction, focus, and clarity so we can grab hold of what God has for your life. Anybody believe that? That 2017 is a year of opportunity that God really does have some things for your life. Anybody believe that? Let me just tell you how you're going to get what God has for you. It's going to be called a Word from God. God's going to give you a Word. And it is that word that's going to unlock the potential and the purpose that heaven really does have for your life. So we need to make sure part two of this statement says we have to not only receive Jesus, but we have to receive the Bible, the written word of God. And we have to make room in our hearts and our lives for the word of the Lord. And so we're going to talk about how do we do that? How do we make room? In our hearts and our lives for the Word of God, so we can hear God speak, so we can receive direction and correction and instruction from the Lord, so we can find focus and clarity to grab hold of the promise and the potential that He really does have for each of our lives. 1 Samuel chapter 3 uh, is a scripture we looked at last week, and we're just going to reread it today and really just kind of pull some nuggets out. I want you to see this. The Bible says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never, look at this, he had never had a message from the Lord before. And I want you to think about this statement for a minute. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. But if you read the Bible, you find out that Samuel was dedicated to the Lord when he was a child. And Samuel grew up in the house of God. Samuel was raised by Eli the priest. So think about this. Samuel grew up in church. Samuel went to church Samuel was raised by the preacher at the church. And so everything about Samuel's life was connected to the church. But yet the Bible says Samuel did not know God. Now think about that. He grew up in church. He saw the power of God. He saw the sacrifices to God. He worshiped with the people of God. He prayed prayers with the people of God. He was raised by the priest of God, but Samuel didn't know God. That's a pretty powerful statement. He was surrounded by the things of God, but he didn't know God. And why didn't he know God? Well, the Bible tells us because he had never received a message from the Lord, he had never heard God speak. How many know that the way that you accumulate or cultivate a relationship with somebody is you actually begin to talk with them? If you don't talk to somebody, you actually can't have a relationship with that person, whether it's via text message or email or phone calls or face-to-face. Somehow, you've got to communicate with people in order to build a relationship with them. And so Samuel, who was raised in the church, surrounded by the church, saw the things of God, heard the things of God, participated in the things of God, but he didn't know God because he had never heard from the Lord. I want to say to you today that God wants you to hear from him. I believe there are a lot of people, I believe a lot of Christians that have accepted Christ, they believe that he is who he says he is, he rose again on the third day, he paid the price for their sins, I believe they've trusted him to be their Lord and their Savior, but they have never grown to a place of maturity in the Lord, why? Because they have never cultivated a lifestyle of intimacy with God where they actually hear the voice of the Lord. Several years ago, Pastor Rick and myself had an opportunity to go out to California. And if you can imagine two rednecks from Arab in California, it was quite a sight out there. I mean it was very interesting. And, and we went out to to uh, to Rick Warren's Church, the Saddleback Church, Amazing Church, the, the founding uh, church of Celebrate Recovery. And we were going to a summit. There was about three thousand people there, literally from all around the world. Uh, there were there were people almost represented from every continent on the planet, and there were people there from everywhere. And what was exciting about that trip is that people in, the, in, in Saddleback Church actually opened their homes for strangers to come and stay with them during the conference. And so there was a family in Saddleback Church. They were small group leaders in their church. And they opened their home for me and Pastor Rick to come and stay with them. And so we, we spent about three or four days at their house. And we got to eat supper with them a couple times. And, and the last night we were there, uh, the, 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 the gentleman of the house uh, just an amazing couple he said we need to ask you a question he said we've been listening to y'all talk all week and he said it really sounds like listening to y'all talk that God actually speaks to you is that right I said yes it is he said you mean God really speaks to you I said yes he does and it was a foreign idea in their mind. Faithful members of a church, small group leaders in their church, dedicated, I mean, these people opened their house to strangers to come in. They had hospitality, hospitality. they had grace, they were caring people, but they had never heard God speak to them in a personal way way. They read the Bible and they knew the Bible was full of principles and we're just going to live by the principles of the word but they had never really heard God speak in a personal way in their life and they were blown away by the idea that we heard the voice of the Lord. So we had an opportunity to pray with them and minister to them and and just really open up I believe a whole new opportunity for them to grow in their relationship with God. It wasn't that they weren't Christians. It wasn't that they didn't love God. It wasn't that they didn't read their Bible. It wasn't that they didn't pray and it wasn't that they didn't go to church. They did all those things, but they still had never heard the voice of the Lord. Now, I personally, let me just say this. I have never heard God speak audibly, right? But God speaks every day in my life. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I need to hear the voice of God not just on Sunday, right? I need to hear the voice of God every day because every day I am confronted with opportunities I'm confronted with problems and challenges and every day I need direction, insight and understanding from the Lord to make sure I'm doing the right thing because sometimes I think I know what to do and that's usually when I get in trouble. <laughs> here's the exciting, thing. so even when I think I know what I need to do, I still need to hear from God, right? I need His direction and here's the exciting thing, God loves to speak to His children because you matter to Him, amen? All right, let's look at our next verse. I want you to see this. So verse 9, it says, so he and the he here is Eli, the priest. He said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls, uh, calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, this is the third time that Samuel has heard God call his name. And every time God calls Samuel's name, Samuel runs to Eli because he thinks it's Eli calling his name. So after the third time, Eli the priest finally realizes, hey, God is talking to this boy and I'm going to help him out. So he says, this is what I want you to do, Samuel. The next time you hear somebody call your name and you hear that voice, I want you to say, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. The word Lord is the Hebrew word there for God. So Samuel bas- uh, Eli basically told Samuel, hey, God's wanting to talk to you. So the next time you hear somebody call your name, say, yes, Lord. Your servant's listening. Now look at the next verse. Verse 10 and 11. It says, And the Lord came and called as before, and he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Now there's a missing word there. Do y'all see that? The word Lord is missing. Eli said, Tell God, Speak, Lord, because your servant's listening. When Samuel heard the voice again, Samuel didn't say, Speak, Lord. Samuel just said, Speak, Because your servant's listening, I'd never seen that before and I've read this story, I can't tell you how many times. This week as I was studying to prepare for today, the Lord showed me that. And then then the Holy Spirit said, he said, Keith, do you know why Samuel didn't use the word Lord? And I said, no, why? He said, well, for the same reason that many Christians aren't hearing the voice of God. He said, Samuel struggled with the thought that God would want to speak to him. He said he still had this idea in the back of his head that maybe somebody was playing a trick on him, right? Somebody else was calling his name. Why in the world would the God of heaven and earth want to talk to me? Right? And the Lord said, "Keith, there are a lot of people today going to church every Sunday, and they have that same mentality. They understand, oh yeah, I know. I know God wants to speak to Pastor Keith because he's got to preach every Sunday, and God wants to speak over here to these people because they're leading a small group, and God wants to speak to Stephen because he's leading worship. But you know what? I'm just a nobody. I'm just an ordinary person. I come to church. I love God, but why in the world would the God of Heaven want to speak to me? I want to tell you why. Because He loves you, and you." matter to God. You are significant in the story of heaven. When God writes his story, you have a significant role to play and God wants to speak to you. And so Samuel reluctantly says, speak, whoever you are, (laughs) because I'm listening. And look at the, the next verse there. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. When Samuel said, speak, Lord, you know what God did? He spoke. He spoke. Pretty awesome, right? Pretty simple, pretty powerful, but pretty awesome. Samuel said, speak, Lord, and you know what God did? He spoke. He spoke. Let's look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this. So here's a couple things we've got to grab hold of. Number one, you've got to recognize that God desires to speak to you on a personal level. He is calling your name. If you leave here today and go home, and you go home believing that God wants to speak to you on a personal level, then I can go home and say, man, today was a great big win. We, we praise God. It worked. God... People are going to leave here today going home believing that the God of heaven and earth actually personally wants to speak to their life. Because a lot of Christians don't really, haven't really settled that issue. God speaks to everybody, but He doesn't speak to me. No, that's not true. God wants to speak to you. And if you leave here today believing with your heart that God really desires to speak to you on a personal level, not just a corporate word, not just a word for your family, not just a principle from Scripture, but God actually wants to to speak to your life, then we've won. Amen. We can say, hey, today was a victory and today was a day the kingdom of God advanced because when the people of God begin to believe that the Spirit of God wants to speak to them and God wants to be personally, intimately involved in our lives, things begin to change. So you've got to believe that. We got to believe that God desires to speak to us. And, and look at that last little part, that next little part. He is calling your name. Isn't it interesting that when God called Samuel, he didn't say, Hey, Eli's servant. Now he called Samuel's name. Why did he call Samuel's name? Because Samuel mattered. God's calling your name. Why is God calling your name? Because you matter. You matter to God. God is calling your name. He is inviting you. He is desiring. Think about this. God is initiating the relationship. Christianity is not about us finding God. It's about God finding us. Right? He is pursuing us. You didn't pursue God. He pursued you. And he called you unto himself. And because of that, if you responded to that call, your life was changed. So let's look at that next part. So making room in your heart and in your life for God to speak usually begins with simply just responding to his voice and acknowledging him. That's what Samuel did. Samuel just responded to the voice. Samuel didn't even acknowledge that it was God because he really wasn't sure it was. But he responded to the voice. He heard the voice of the Lord and he said, you know what? Eli said it's God. Eli's a priest. He's a pretty smart guy. He's been talking to God for a long time. So if Eli said, God wants to talk to me, then maybe God really does want to talk to me. And when he heard the voice of the Lord, Eli said, speak because your servant is listening. And guess what happened? God spoke. It really just starts with responding. God, I'm going to respond to your call and I'm going to acknowledge that even though I may not understand why you would want to talk to me, but God, I'm going to acknowledge that according to your word, you teach us in your word that you desire to have an intimate personal relationship with us and that you desire to speak into our lives. Jesus said this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. See, if you're a Christian, you're already hearing the voice of God. Most people just haven't recognized it and haven't acknowledged that it is God. That still small voice. I mean how many times have you walked away from something. You had that little thought you need to do this. Oh, I ain't going to do that. And then by the end of the day you think. Man I wish I would have done that. Right. I had a, a, one of the guys that go to our church. Mike Shaw leads. A, he's, him and Stephanie lead our usher ministry. Uh, Mike was talking to me a couple weeks ago. And he said yeah. He said I was going to work. Started to walk out of the house. And, and I, I just had this thought. I need to pick up that drill and take it with me today. He said, I thought, I don't need that drill. He said, I walked on out. He said, guess what? I got out on the job another county away, and guess what I needed? That drill. He said, God was trying to help me out. God was trying to show me, hey, you're going to need this. You don't know you're going to need it. You can't see what's coming, but I see what's coming. And you know what? You might say, well, Pastor Keith, that's really simple. God doesn't talk to us about stuff like that. Yes, he does. How many parents in the room? Any parents in the room? How many know if you're a real parent and you love your kids, you talk to your kids about everything? Right? Not just the important stuff, not just the spiritual stuff. If you're a good parent and you love your kids, you talk to your kids about everything. You want to know all the details, right? They come home from school, and you're like, man, what'd you learn today? And if they're like Levi, they're like, nothing. Right? So, <laughs> y'all's kids ever learn nothing at school? Man, Levi, he, he, we're even homeschoolers, and he still learns nothing. I'm like, I know what you learned. Come on. What'd you learn? Nothing. You got to love boys. Don't you love boys? I love boys. I am one, I love them. Hey, God wants to speak to his children and to drill children about what? Everything. He cares about your job, about the drill, about the family, about the future, about the finances. He cares about you being a witness and other people coming to know Christ because of how you're living your life. God cares about all that stuff. Every little detail is important to him. And you know what? God desires to speak into our lives in every arena of our lives. All we have to do is, number one, just begin by responding to his voice and acknowledging him. Proverbs 3 verse 6, if you've been in church any amount of time, maybe you've heard this verse before, it says this, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him. If we'll just acknowledge God, you know what God will do? God will direct our paths. Think about it this way. When you acknowledge God, God gives you Directions right? He will direct your path. God, I'm I'm dealing with this. What do I need to do? You know what God will do? Every time you acknowledge him in your family, God gives you direction for your family. When you acknowledge God in your finances, he gives you direction for your finances. When you acknowledge God on your job, he gives you direction for your job. When you acknowledge God in your own personal life, God gives you direction for your personal life. All you got to do is acknowledge him. Now, think about this. How does God give us directions? Well, there's a lot of ways, but one of the main ways is that when you ask God for direction, God speaks. How many of you remember the day before we had GPSs on our phone? Anybody remember that? How many of you remember the day when you actually, if you ever got lost in another town, you actually had to pull over, all the men love this, right? We had to pull over and ask for directions. Do you all remember those days? Right? All the men like, I never asked for directions. That's against my manhood, right? You know, we don't ask for directions. But if you ever did, you know what happened when you asked for directions? You pulled over to the gas station. You said, hey, we're looking for so-and-so. Can you help me out? And you know what you intended? When, when you ask for directions, you actually intend the person you're asking direction from to actually speak. Right? If you ask them for direction and they just look at you and don't say anything, you're like, man, you're useless. Right? When you ask for directions, 99% of the time, they may point, but you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, well, you're going to go right over there, you're going to turn by that tree, and look where that cow is, and then you're going to hang a left right there, and you know where that old building used to be? And it ain't there no more, but that's where you go, and you turn, and that's what they're going to do, right? And they're going to speak. When you ask for directions, what do people do? They speak. When you acknowledge God in all your ways, He will direct your path. How does God direct you? He speaks. So if you're not hearing him speak then you're missing out on his direction how do i get direction i acknowledge him god you want to speak and you care about this area of my life so i'm bringing this to you i need direction god what do i do and god speaks amen all right let's look at our next point i'm going to give you a couple practical things here so once you acknowledge that, that he desires to speak to your you, secret place You need a place for prayer and the word. Jesus calls this our secret place. You need to create a place for prayer and the word. Right? Now, prayer, let me encourage you in this. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody, have you ever tried to talk to somebody that wouldn't shut up? Right? You're trying to talk to them, they won't shut up. You're trying to talk to them, they won't shut up. You're trying to talk to them, they won't shut up. And so finally you're just like, I can't say anything. Most Christians, I believe, are discouraged in prayer because they think prayer is talking to God. And talking to God is a part of your prayer life, but I want to submit to you today that the greatest part of your prayer life is not you talking, but you listening. I acknowledge what's going on, and then I listen. If I don't ever shut up, God can never speak. I have to acknowledge and then listen, acknowledge and then listen, and the old saying, right, you got one mouth and two ears, so you ought to listen twice as much as you speak, not always true for preachers, but anyway, we ought to do that, so prayer is about listening, many Christians struggle in prayer, right, because after about five minutes, they don't said all they know to say, right? They done quoted all the scriptures they know to quote. They done told God all the problems and difficulties. I mean, how long does it take to tell God life stinks? I mean, you know, like, God, this is really bad. And after five minutes, you're like, done. And you're like, man, prayer is really hard because I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. What if prayer was more than just saying? What if prayer was really all about listening? Glenn Webb, Glenn and Melissa lead our night watch prayer. And they'll be leading prayer this Wednesday night through our prayer and fasting and I've been in a lot of prayer meetings with Glenn. And let me tell you how Glenn prays. When Glenn is praying, Glenn typically just lays on his face, sprawled out like an eagle, before the Lord. And he don't ever say anything. And I remember the first time I was praying with Glenn, he just laid out on the floor. And I mean, he's just stretched out before God. And I'm like, an hour goes by two hours go by, and I'm like, is he still awake or alive, you know? And to my knowledge, he's not saying a word. But when the prayer meeting's over, Glenn will leave more energized, more electrified, more fired up, and more passionate about who God is than any other person in the prayer meeting. Why? Why because he learned a long time ago, prayer is not about me speaking. Prayer is about me listening to what God wants to say. And he learned, and if you know Glenn, him shutting up's a big deal. <laughs> right? Because Glenn can talk. <laughs> His daughter in laws right over there, so she knows the truth, don't you? He is fired up. But Glenn has learned to listen. And you know what? When he gets out of that place of prayer... He is fired up, he is passionate, he is encouraged, he is strengthened, he is on purpose, and he's ready to run. Why? Because he's learned to listen. He's learned to listen. And this is what I found out when I realized that praying is not just speaking but listening. I can pray a long time because I can be still and be quiet for a long time. And all of a sudden when you begin to get still before the Lord, you begin to hear God speak. Let me give you the scripture, Matthew 6, 6. Jesus said this, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father. Look at this statement. Who is in the secret place? God is in the secret place. Where's God at? In the secret place. God is in that place of intimacy where you shut your door, get alone with Him, and say, God, I want to spend time with you. That's where God is. God is in the secret place. Why is it that more Christians aren't hearing the voice of God? Because we never slow down long enough to listen. We have never created a place to get along with God where I can have prayer and the word and I can speak to God but I can listen to him and allow his word to begin to come alive in my life. God, Jesus said that our Father is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So let me give you a real practical truth right here. The last point on your outline. Your secret place doesn't have to be a secret. So your secret place is not about you having a secret place that nobody else knows about. My secret place is our dining room table. So every morning, typically every morning, around 5.30, I go to the dining room table And I'm an iPad kind of guy, so I open my iPad. That's where I do my Bible reading on my iPad. And I have a a, a Word document there where I write down what God says to me. I get me a nice steaming hot cup of coffee. And I sit at the feet of Jesus. And God speaks. 90%, let me tell you something. 90% of what I preach from this podium comes from my dining room table. That's where I get it. At the dining room table. Why? Because that's my secret place. It's that place that I have set apart to meet with God. Now, we do a lot of stuff at the dining room table. We eat at the dining room table, we play games at the dining room table, we sit around and talk at the dining room table. But typically around 5:30 or at least the first thing in the morning, when I go to the dining room table, I'm going there for one reason: it's not to eat. It's not to play games. It's not to fellowship with my family because everybody else is asleep. I'm going to the dining room table first thing in the morning because that's my secret place. That is the place I have set apart and said, you know what, God? I'm going to meet you here every morning. So your secret place doesn't have to be a secret. For Kelly, Kelly, we can squish you where she can cuddle up. In our room, she always likes a nice cushy chair or, or the couch. She likes somewhere soft and squishy where she can cuddle up and put a blanket over If I curl up and put a blanket on me, I'll go to sleep. So, your secret place doesn't have to be a secret, but this is what it does have to be. It needs to be private, and it needs to be personal. It needs to be a private place. When I go to the dining room table at 5.30 in the morning, everybody else is asleep. Or if they're not asleep, they're getting ready in their own bedrooms, and they're not going to bother me. And it needs to be personal. It needs to be comfortable. Jesus said, go to your room. How I many you know our rooms are usually places we have created for our comfort? Right? In your room, you have certain things that you enjoy. So Jesus said your secret place ought to be a private place, but also be a personal place. It ought to be somewhere that you're comfortable. See, for some reason, we get this, this, uh, this monk mentality that if I'm not suffering, then I'm probably not going to get close to knowing God. We talked about suffering earlier and endurance. But the reality is, it's not the suffering that makes me close to God. It's the faith that endures that makes me close to God. And so, sometimes we think, well, you know what? i got to get on my knees and i got to bow down. And after about 10 minutes, your legs are asleep, your feet are asleep, right? And you know what? You ain't hearing nothing from God because all you can think about is i got to stand up, Right? So when you, when you create your secret place, you don't need a place where you're uncomfortable. You need a place where you're very comfortable, a place where you're comfortable enough to relax and be able to hear and carry on a conversation with God. For me, that's my dining room table. The next thing, it needs to be private, it needs to be personal, and it needs to be distraction free. Jesus said you've got to shut the door. How you many know the world's full of distractions? And good things will distract you. Your family will distract you. Your friends will distract you. Your phone will distract you. Facebook will distract you. Your email will distract you. Social media will distract you. So what I have to do for me is when I go to the table, I have to turn my phone on silent and I have to flip it over with the screen down so I don't see it light up. Because a lot of people know I do my quiet time early in the morning, so they think, hey, I'm going to catch Pastor Keith, so I'm going to text him early in the morning. And they try to text me during my quiet time. And so I got my phone turned off and turned over. Why? Because this is what I know. This is true for me. It may not be true for you, but it's true for me. If I talk to people before I talk to God, my day's gone. I'll never get back to that secret place. If I start texting people and returning emails and checking Facebook and looking at Instagram and checking our Twitter account, if I start doing all that stuff, you can hang it up. I'm not going to get back to my secret place. Because once my mind gets engaged with people, I can't get off of it. I just got to now, I got to take care of people and I got to do this and I got to meet with them and I got to go here and I got to accomplish this and I got to get this done. And so I know for me personally that I got to make sure that I talk to God, stuff goes a whole lot better. People. And then this is what I found out. When I talk to God first, the people stuff goes a whole lot better. Because when you go before the Lord, God gives you instruction, direction, clarity, and focus to get through the day. And now I've got instructions for the day. And so dealing with people, even if it's challenging people sometimes, it's not that bad. Because I've already heard from God. And now I know how to deal with challenging people because I've heard from the Lord. And I know how to deal with good people because I've heard from God. So it's got to be private, it's got to be personal, it's got to be distraction free. And the last statement I want to give you is this. God manifests himself in the places that we have set apart to meet with him. We have church here every Sunday, 52 weeks a year typically, unless there's something crazy. But 52 weeks a year we have church here every Sunday. And it never fails. 52 weeks a year God shows up. Every Sunday, every Sunday God shows up somebody hears the voice of God, somebody experiences God, somebody gets saved, somebody gets set free, some marriage gets put back together, somebody's mind gets brought to restoration and wholeness. And all of a sudden, every Sunday, literally 52 weeks a year, we see God show up and show out in a very big way. Now, does everybody experience God the same way every Sunday? Absolutely not. But every every Sunday somebody experiences God when we come together to have church. Why is that? Because God manifests Himself in the places that we have set apart to meet with Him I've had people say Pastor Keith I wish we could just have church every Sunday you can it's called your secret place you can it's called your secret place you can have church every Sunday I mean not every Sunday every day we do have it every Sunday every day you can have church right in your secret place you can get along with God and you know what God will do God will speak in the Old Testament Exodus we're gonna look at this real quick Exodus 25 verse 22 God said this to Moses and I will meet with you there and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are on the ark of the testimony this is this is the holiest of holies this is the ark of the covenant the mercy seat and God says and I will I will speak with you there about the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandments to the children of Israel. So God said, I'm going to meet with you and I'm going to speak with you in the holy place. The holiest of holy. God did. God showed up. And you know what? Every time the high priest went in there, guess what God did? God showed up. And God spoke. And as a matter of fact, that holy place was so important that God actually told the children of Israel, He said, when you go to battle and you're on foreign soil, before you go into battle to fight your enemy, he said, I want you to pray toward Jerusalem. And so the Jewish people, even to this day, will pray toward Jerusalem, pray toward the temple, or pray toward the holy place. Why do they do that? Because they recognize something. They recognize that God will manifest Himself in the places that have been set apart to meet with Him. And so when they're on a battlefield and they're not able to go to church, so to speak, they set their face toward Jerusalem and they pray. Why do they do that? Because they are acknowledging that God is in that place. Now, we're New Testament believers and God is in this place. He lives in you. He is with you. He is around you. And He is for you. Now, it's not that God won't speak anywhere. God will speak anywhere. But God Promises to speak in that secret place and when I set that place apart for prayer and the word you know what will happen? God shows up God shows up God shows up now I want to give you this last thought because Christianity is about intimacy and relationship God wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him Kelly and I have been married for 26 years and we have been pastoring for 24 years. And in 24 years of pastoral ministry, we have been in church a lot. I mean, we go to church a lot. And this is what the Lord reminded me of. He said, Keith, do you realize that natural intimacy and spiritual intimacy work the same way? And this is what he said to me. He said, do you realize... That in 24 years you've been to church a lot, but you never conceived a child at church. We got three kids, and none of them were conceived at church. All of our kids were conceived in a private place, a place of intimacy. How I many you know you might date in public? But when you get married, you don't get intimate in public, you get intimate in private. Children are conceived in private, not public. And it's in the private place, it's in the secret place with God, that God has plans, his vision, his will, and his desire in our hearts. I'm convinced that more Christians are not pregnant with the things of God, because they don't have an intimate place where they meet with Jesus. You don't get intimate in public. You get intimate in private. And it's in that secret place that God will birth vision in you and God will birth his spirit in you and God will birth his word in you. And you'll become alive with who he is, not because you come to church on Sunday, but because you have intimate time with him Monday through Saturday. And church just to be, gets to be the icing on the cake, the accumulation of all the body of Christ coming together to celebrate who He is. And then I get to go home on Monday and I get to have church again because I'm going to get intimate with God because I have a place that I have set apart to meet with Jesus.